It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 40. We're definitely starting to stretch them now. The Mattia Vitale episode. Who remembers Mattia Vitale? Chucks, do you remember him? Sorry, I do not. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I'm, sure, I'm sure he's a top quality man, though. He is, uh, he, uh, seeing as Sam, Sam's getting a good laugh, I'm guessing uh, he's of the same line and I, one of the uh, Primavera products of, of yesteryear where we had hopes and, well, those hopes fizzled out in, in Italy's second division after a few loan stints. So where, where to begin? I've, you know, it's been, it's been a week for Juventus to say things quickly and succinct, I guess, but I've already mentioned the two guys that we have on today's podcast, Chuck and Sam, so let me officially bring them in. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? It's time oh. for another therapy session. <laughs> it's becoming commonplace around here, and I don't like it. Yeah, me neither. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Yeah, good evening. You know, uh, <laughs> a little dreary indeed. Coming to you from the spring forward as we've gone uh, an hour forward in time, but we've definitely not progressed. We you fooled me about spring with the weather, too, because, geez, it just went... Eh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, things aren't sunny for Juventus, so no. yeah, <laughs> not not so sunny in Philadelphia either, Chucks. Nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> actually, Never even been there actually. So, nope. quite in Philadelphia right now, but uh, 
and in New Jersey, but you know, very cold, which is, yeah. you know, once this episode drops, we'll be about a week out from uh, Juventus's Champions League exit. Another year of European disappointment. The second straight year that they've been dumped out by a, uh, I think it's fair to say, an underdog in the round of 16. Juventus has now failed to fulfill our expectations of them or the club's internal expectations in terms of European play. So I will throw it to Chucks first. The Champions League. Why can't this club do what they did in previous years during the Scudetto run and actually make long Champions League runs even though they've got, you know, we're surely going to talk about him a lot, I think, on this episode. The best score the Champions League has ever seen, they still can't make the magic happen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shambles, man. It's, it's <laughs> bloody shambles. Um, yeah, in a way, it's good that we're recording this a few days. Uh, what is it now? Almost, yeah, indeed, almost a week since the game because it has indeed given us all time to kind of, kind of breathe and kind of digest, you know, the... Yeah, just very unpleasant course of events. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's, you know, once, if it happens one time, it's okay, it's unlucky. Happens twice, uh, you know, okay, more un- unluckiness. But, man, three times now, uh, it's I, I, it's Chuck, hard for Chuck, me. Chuck, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but seeing as I am the trained journalist on the podcast... As we say in my business, three times in a row, that's a trend. So <laughs> it sure is, man. It really is. I mean, it, it it it's hard for me to, I guess, what's the word, justify or even defend, you know, defend Juventus anymore uh, in Europe. I mean, it's you know, the first year I could say like, ah, oh, okay, you know, they it was unlucky in the second year, and then but then the third year, I mean, yeah, I can't defend it anymore. It's just. You know, I said it in the uh, aftermath, in the com- in the comments, in the aftermath of the game, which, I mean, okay, it was a little emotional, but even then I look back at it and I still stand by it relatively firmly, I mean, with, with some caution, but I said that I just think that outside of Italy, I just don't consider Juventus a big club anymore. Um, you know, I just don't think we can, like, frankly say it anymore based on our, our record in Europe. I mean, in the recent history, I'm just historically in general, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's three years in a row now that uh, that this has happened, and it's it's not a fluke anymore. Obviously, the big talk is Ronaldo, and you know the Ronaldo experiment, which I mean, we've all had a lot to say about, of course. And was it Hunter that wrote an article about it, and Sergio as well referred to it in his in his grab bag, which I enjoyed a lot with his car metaphor. Um, but that was that was very well done. Also, that was, that big... was a it was a very much a lengthy metaphor, but yeah, a very yeah, yeah. good metaphor. Also, because I'm a big James Bond fan, you know, I've read all the books, so I like that one too. You've yeah, never so... you've never imitated James Bond on this. One. <laughs> no, no, never, never, <laughs> never, James. <laughs> this is Adam speaking. <laughs> I, I, actually, I recommend the audiobooks. The audiobooks are so good because they do the voices really great. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you know, again, like I said, I just don't really think we can claim Juventus that Juventus is a big club in Europe so that means I, I don't know what is our goal really in in the Champions League I mean frankly just making the quarterfinal would already be an achievement it's, it's odd you know because the group stage was really I mean plain sailing it was you know it was five victories one loss that one loss against uh, Barcelona and then of course that you know 
historic win, really, in the reverse fixture. But then again, I look back at it and I think, well, looking back at it objectively, that group was pretty easy. I mean, it was, you know, Ferenc Farosh, haven't said it in a while, but still, still got it. You know, first time in uh, the Champions League. And I mean, you know, they just, they did what they could. And I mean, fair play to them. They gave a good battle in that second uh, game, I remember. And then Dinamo Kiev, uh, I mean, solid out, solid team, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't too much... Uh, difficulty or anything and then of course Barcelona who were I mean frankly a club in as much shambles as we are <laughs> at the moment and remarkably they're in more in the, they're in the title race like it's I just checked it today they're four points I mean they're playing right now actually I think as we speak um, you know they're four points off the off Atletico and they might just win the title so uh, I mean that's that's just remarkable in itself but yeah it's it is funny, like I said, I've, I've drawn parallels between Barcelona and Juventus this season because I do really think that there is just structurally there's, there are par- parallels between the two teams, clubs, I should say, actually. Transition, new coaches, internal instability, transitioning of old players into new, into the kind of the new guard. So um, I guess we were kind of fortunate that we, I guess both teams were kind of fortunate that they were in the same group because then we were both in the same kind of awkward difficult phase but yeah I, I i mean i really don't know i think just to me the target in champions league is now just obviously in general just qualifying and making it through the group stage and after that i mean there's really anything after like round of 16 is a surprise to me because yeah i just it's it's strange that and you know it's funny because every year well okay every year the last yeah really since ronaldo actually arrived People have been saying, oh, Juventus is a dark horse, the dark horse for a Champions League. I'm like, any sane Juventus fan knows that that is absolute nonsense. Like, we know our clubs. We know our club better than other people. And, like, we we all knew the inherent uh, uh, shortcomings of the, cl- of the team, which were obviously not fixed through having Ronaldo. But, I mean, I don't know how much we want to go in depth with the whole Ronaldo affair. Yeah, initially, I'm sure we will later, but I'll hold off on my thoughts on him. But I think just in general, um, my expectations for Champions League are just, I mean, almost zero, really, just getting out of the group stage and then maybe, a, you know, a getting out of round of 16, everything after that is, uh, well, a surprise. I mean, to, to the original question, why has Juventus not really been able to get to put together a deep Champions League run, even though they have you know, the best score that the, that the tournament has ever seen in there is because the rest of the team isn't good enough. And that's, that's a fact. And it's been a fact pretty much since he got here, this team was never one Ronaldo away from make, from winning the champions league. It still kind of looked like it might have been at the, at the time the transfer was made because you know two that you know the last two seasons had been going to the final in Cardiff and the Michael Oliver debacle in in Madrid which you know cer- certainly would have tricked a lot of people into thinking that they definitely had what it took to punch with that to, you know to still punch at that level but the midfield had been neglected for so so long and when you don't have a midfield, you don't have really have a team. And, you know, 
you know, that first final was on the came on the back of one of the best midfields in the game at the time. And the breakup of said midfield, starting with Pirlo moving on to his retirement phase and Vidal heading off to Bayern the year after the year after Berlin, and then the loss of Paul Pogba the next year has never truly been adequately addressed. Sammy Kadira, before his body betrayed him, papered over that fact for a time. Because before his before he broke down physically, he was good enough to make that to make that shortcoming less glaring. But right now, I mean, we're looking at things and and I like Chuck said, I don't know if we wanna hash the Ronaldo and the future bit now or save it for a second danny speculate 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 speculate. all right fine um (laughs) give the people what they want i'm gonna do it this is i i hope that this there's an article coming out of me it might be done before this podcast gets uploaded if it's not then you're getting a sneak preview but it's coming soon um the cristiano ronaldo experiment has i think definitively been shown now to be a failure. And I think it is a failure because it was undertaken under a mistaken premise and because the the financial outlay that in, that is required to have him on the team prevents the team from making the moves that need to be made to make this team better. And the pandemic only exacerbates that. As Danny said in in a you know response to a report that came out, uh, when did that come out? At the end of February, you know, Juventus for the first half of the fiscal year lost 113.7 million euros. And in doing some research for my own article, Exor, the holding company that is the parent company of Juventus, didn't fare much better. They lost 1.32 billion euros and their net asset values decreased by almost 5 billion. So you've got a, a club that is financially hamstrung by the pandemic that is not going to end up being rescued by business daddy because business daddy is hurting just as bad. There is no way to buy the players that can fix this team's real flaws while you're still paying Cristiano Ronaldo 30 million euros a year after tax, which is a number that is when you factor in the Italian tax brackets, according to a Forbes article that I have repeatedly referred to when I refer to Cristiano Ronaldo's contract, comes out to a number somewhere close to 54 million. Cristiano Ronaldo has to be sold. You have to get out from under Cristiano Ronaldo's salary in order to make this team better. If if you don't make that move now, then we're basically looking at another year of mediocrity with Ronaldo 
and also a physically diminishing Ronaldo because he's not physically the player that he was even two years ago. He's still performing at an incredible rate, but it's also not godlike anymore the way you know he he has been. But when you look at this team that needs a midfielder, maybe two, probably two. You look at it, you know, you look at the team that probably needs another fullback. It will probably need another striker to either back up or push Alvaro Morata for playing time. My preference would be the former, but that's an expensive list of flaws that need to be addressed. Unless there is something absolutely, completely and totally not apparent. And and to to some people, I've I've had the, I've had debates with some people that say, well, Agnelli certainly knows the you know Agnelli and and the rest of the people that in the front office certainly know the finances better than we do. Not really, because Juventus is a publicly traded company and they're compelled by law to disclose their finances. I I do not see a way that this team markedly improves unless Cristiano Ronaldo is moved on and Juventus can use this, that money, whatever transfer fee they might get from him, which won't nearly be what they paid in the fee. But when you add on the wage savings, that's practically, you know, slightly above average players transfer fee on top of that. I don't see how this team is any better next year. If Cristiano Ronaldo is on it because I don't see where Juventus is getting the money to make the moves that need to be made. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing in, in some areas of social media, people talking about how Juventus has to have to go out and buy Erling Holland. With what money are you going to pull <laughs> Erling Holland? I would love not, it. Not, not, not this version of Erling Holland. <laughs> I would, I would love Erling Holland. Maybe if you had picked him up when he was like, you know, 18 and still playing in Norway. But with what money are you actually, do you actually think Juventus picks up Erling Holland unless Cristiano Ronaldo is, is not on the books? And even then that'll be hard because Holland is going to be, an, Holland's going to command an enormous amount of money. Maybe the team gets lucky, decides to play somebody like Nicolo Fagioli more, and that turns into an internal, you know, an internal improvement, which I would like. And if there's anybody that could do it, it would be Fagioli. But that still requires so many, there's just so many more moves that need to be made to make this a competitive team, not only in, in Europe, but maybe in Italy too. That I just I don't see a path to it while Ronaldo is on the team because he just is he sucks so much money out of the club and in a uh, and especially in a post pandemic you know in a pandemic and post pandemic economy how are you how do you do it I don't see I don't see it there's the money aspect, which is obviously even greater now that the pandemic has really just, I mean, you, you look at Allianz stadium before the pandemic and after that was just an absolute cash cow that 
Juventus just took full advantage of and and really reaped the benefits of it. But there's also the style of play that if Andrea Pirlo is your manager come the beginning of next season, that Ronaldo really doesn't fit into. I mean, I want to read read this bit from James Horncastle's take on The Athletic after last Tuesday's Champions League debacle. And he goes, as great as the Portuguese has been in Serie A, Juventus were more successful before his arrival in the break the club made with Allegri, appointing collective-centric pressing coaches in his place, begs the question, can the brand of football ever really take off when the supreme individual is on the team? I've been thinking that as well. I'm, I've in, in my head, I've actually kind of thought the, of the analogy that it's like putting prime Carmelo Anthony onto the Steve, you know, the, the great Golden State Warriors teams of the, you know, early, of, you know, of the mid to late last decade. Are, where, are you saying that because I'm wearing a Warriors sweatshirt, Sam? I am not, actually. I'm just <laughs> saying, but, but, but when you think about, like, Carmelo yeah. Anthony what, was the ultimate ISO player in the NBA. He was not a, he was not a, a guy that fit into a, a system that, that flowed the way that, that that Warriors system did. And it's the same here. And I think that's why I think, you know, despite his injury issues this past year, I think that Paolo Dybala is a far better fit to this style of play than Cristiano Ronaldo is. And, you know, I would, I would personally bet my money on, on building this, the team around the axis of Dybala, Matthijs Delict, and Federico Chiesa, who, and, and I've always found that this is found this to be the ultimate irony. We all know, you know, it's, it's not, it's very common knowledge that Pepe Morata was not into the Cristiano Ronaldo deal. He wanted to sign Chiesa that year. And now look at what Chiesa's doing. Chiesa really stole Ronaldo's thunder on Tuesday uh, in this entire tie. Chris, Federico Chiesa was the reason that we had any shot. He was far and away the best Juventus player over two legs. Far and away. A hundred percent. And imagine if that had happened and and we kept on going with that Beppe Marotta because Marotta built those teams so well. And that's, I've, I've said this before, that's the biggest difference between Marotta and, and Fabio Paratici. Fabio, Fabio Paratici hasn't really been able to come up with, with a great team. He's made big signings. He's signed guys like Delict and, and, you know, and, and Chiesa, but he hasn't built really good teams as Beppe Marotta did when he started you know, at the beginning of this this long run of success, and as he is doing now at Inter, Grr. <laughs> Um Yeah, the the, and, uh, the the fraud label is looking. Uh, I know Sergio isn't here this week, but the fraud label is looking like it it is likely to be dropped in a couple of months. Unfortunate, but true. But Paratici was always he was Marotta's deal sealer. He wasn't a guy that had that kind of team building vision. And I'm, I always said that parting ways with Marotta was a really big mistake, especially once he ended up where he ended up. And I 
I truly, you know, I wonder with the road not taken where the team would be, if the team would be in this situation from a roster perspective, if he was still around, because he is, he's far better at this than I think Fabio Paratici is. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that was a, don't, don't have too much to add to that, actually. Um, <laughs> no, I guess, yeah, one or two things. I, I will disagree with you, uh, Sam, on one thing. I think for the first final in, what was it, uh, Berlin? I always mix up when Berlin and Cardiff were, but anyway, the first Berlin, final yeah, against, Berlin. yeah, Berlin uh, against, against Barcelona. I think we were one Cristiano Ronaldo away from winning that, meaning that I think that if we had, a Ronaldo type player in that side. When I, when I say that, I meant at the moment of the transfer of of the the Ronaldo oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, purchase. Okay, yeah. That's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean when I say that. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think for that one, yeah, we would have maybe won it. But yeah, I mean, there's a little more to add. I think you know this whole transfer, this whole just mess that we're in right now. I think, and you you alluded to it, uh, Sam, but I think it really just stems from just this obsession with the individual. Uh, over the collective, I mean, you know, I'll, uh, it's, uh, it's been a while since I've done it, but as good old Tim Vickery would say, <laughs> drink. <laughs> um, I did have a sip of water just today, but no, as he, uh, as a, uh, yeah, as Vickery would say, you know, I never understood the obsession with the individual in what is a team sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always agreed with that. I mean, of course, you know, the team is made up of, of made up of individuals, but just this kind of disproportionate obsession with the individual is i mean clearly we're paying for it um quite literally actually but yeah i mean we're paying for it you know literally and figuratively in just just that to the detriment of the team and you know that's the thing i mean this is one of the first things that we learn in economics i mean i haven't my background is in economics and you know that's one of the first things we learned this this concept of opportunity cost so you know basically i mean economics is really it's just a study of like People have unlimited desires, but we have limited resources. So how do we make choices? Um, that's really, really fundamentally all it is. And, you know, you're always making trade-offs. If you choose X, you're giving up Y. If you choose, you know, A, you're giving up B. So um, in this case, okay, sure, we can get X, which is in this case, Ronaldo. Sure, we got him. But, you know, what did we give up? What was the next best alternative? Well, I mean, yeah, clearly we know um, which it was midfield reinforcements or, yeah reinforcements throughout the side and it's clearly been a very very big trade-off and yeah frankly i don't really understand like the whole yeah i'm trying to just to think did they at the time of the transfer did they really think that we were one 
Cristiano Ronaldo away from like world domination. I mean, really, did they think that? And and that's the thing that, that makes it hard for me to kind of to reconcile this whole this whole Ronaldo situation because I mean, every Juventus fan could see that at the time that Ronaldo was transferred in, we were absolutely not one player away from winning the champion, Champions League at all. I mean, the only time, like I just said, that we maybe were was after, you know, the Barcelona final, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, well, assuming that all the players had stayed then, but yeah, it was really, you know, around the time of the, of the Champions League final against Barcelona. But I mean, obviously that was, you know, many years before the transfer. So I just find that hard to like, really find it hard to understand I, I you know I can forgive mistakes I mean we all make mistakes but it's just mistakes that you could see coming I find a lot harder to forgive and yeah I mean it just leaves us in once again just in a pickle and it's um, yeah I mean I agree with you Sam I think the experiment clearly has failed you know the, the the supposed added benefit of Ronaldo was obviously supposed to be you know world domination <laughs> um, which hasn't happened it's, you know I said I said this before I said this after the Inter game, and it's it's not an original line. I saw it in a Facebook group that I'm a part of. I wish I could. I wish I had said it myself. But, you know, this is what happens when you act like a brand and not like a football club. Yeah, and, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's, and you know, and it it also you know just you know thinking back to on, you know, j- j- or rather thinking ahead, looking forward, it, it reminds me a lot of what you actually said, Chuck's a couple of, gosh. It, might be six or seven weeks ago now, but uh, I, all these games just blend together because they're so, coming so thick and fast. But you know, well, at there, what, you know, what's it going to be like when we actually have a week in between games now, guys? By the way, I have. Oh world. God, I <laughs> a new world. I have once they change. Once they change the Napoli game, I all of a sudden realized I had Wednesday completely off from both the day job and and this, and I just like started like imagining myself with a with a you know. A, lovely beverage with a little umbrella in it sitting on my couch just being you know but at that point the discussion had been about Andrea Pirlo and his future as manager and Chucks you mentioned the sunk cost fallacy and and that's that's something that I've really been thinking a lot about when it comes to Ronaldo and and his future with the club is that you know are you really going to keep on plowing that that much into him at the cost of not being able to improve instead of just admitting it and, and letting things go. Yeah. And as my economics teacher always wonderfully described it, it's like throwing bad money after good money. So, yeah. You know. Or sorry, uh, good money after bad money. Sorry, reverse. Yeah, uh, throwing good money after bad money. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. I, the... did, I didn't do well in economics, Chuck. So I believed you the first time. <laughs> it is a beautiful science, uh, social science, but. It just it's lost its way a little, but that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> <laughs> much as I think he, you know, th- th- this has to be the as much as I think this has to be the course of action that the club takes. I can a hundred percent see Andrea Agnelli still clinging on for that last year because of yeah, me too. The, <laughs> me too. because of the because of this dream he has had of Juventus as a brand. That you put it pretty well, Jacques. You know. It, it. I just kind of think of. Sometimes I think of Fabio Paratici and and Andrea Agnelli, and you know, gee, Brian, what are we gonna do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> Try to take over the world, and well, it was it was a meeting of uh, a marriage, so to speak, of two brands. I mean, you look at 
Ronaldo and it's not just the player it's everything around him and Juventus were obviously trying to capitalize on not just on field but off field and that's you know say what you you know we poke fun at it but you know that is social media following that is the revenue that he alone generates I mean you know we we remember a few years ago the reports of when he first signed those first Ronaldo kits were released and it's like, okay, well, here's a year's salary basically made up in a couple of days just because he sold that much of one jersey. So, yeah, it's just, you know, how much do Juventus want to get the on-field more up to speed with what they want to do as a brand? Because obviously obviously, what's on the field is is lacking. It's true. You do see those impacts, but I've – you know, I, I ref, I said this in the piece that I wrote about this in September, how permanent would that have ever been? You know, regardless of how well the team played and how, you know, and the situation that Ronaldo had, Ronaldo's following is very, very, it, it has no bearing on club. It is his following. They will yeah, follow it's the cult him. of the individual kind of thing, right? Yeah, they yeah. will follow him wherever. And maybe you can like grab a couple of, you know, grab some of that off and like actually convert them into long-term Juventus fans. But ba- just based on the evidence, uh, an enormous amount of that exposure and that, you know, and, and that all those off-field benefits are going to follow him wherever he goes next, whenever that is. And it's not gonna, you know, that was, that, that's why I said that I disagreed with the idea in, in that piece that I wrote in September in terms of that, the, that brand building strategy. It was never going to stay permanent from Ronaldo, from just Ronaldo. And now, arguably, you've even hurt the brand because the team has been, the team is less than it was three years, three summers ago when Ronaldo signed. You know, the, there's, you know, unless some, some big changes happen, there's a full-term decline mode that, uh, that might take a few years to, re, to rebound from. Seen a whole lot of old lady jokes on the internet the past week or so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and people are calling us out on our gamble as well. You know, people are saying, "Oh, you know, Juventus bought Ronaldo to get the Champions League. Look where they are now." And yeah, I mean, obviously, I hate to agree with the haters, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't really have much of a counter argument, do I? I mean, yeah, this, when, when you can't make a when you can't make a comeback, don't try. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, no, no. And you know, the thing is, Sam, like, like you said, I mean, I also doubt that Agnelli would want to sell Ronaldo now simply because it would be too much of a loss of face. It would almost be like, Oh, you know, we're giving in to like the haters and the naysayers by, you know, selling him and indeed admitting that the um, uh, experiment is basically failed. And yeah. And then you, you know, you get trapped into the sunk cost fallacy and just kind of keep throwing good money after bad money. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of a, yeah, so you know, assuming that he he does indeed stay, which I think is a pretty real possibility, Danny, as you as you mentioned before in the pre-recording, uh, what now? Kind of, you know. <laughs> like, well, I'll I'll pose it to to you guys. I mean, I you know I started 
a little advanced work after the 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 Kagalier game and it's like okay well now what is there to do because it's like okay you look at you look at it, it's like okay there's a Coppa Italia final but that's in a little bit of time the immediate future now you know second place is possible with Milan stumbling over the weekend so that's good but there's still so much ground between Juventus and Inter in the standings it's like is is this even if Juventus rip off runs, Inter don't look like they're slowing down. I mean, as much as we like to make poke fun at them, they're looking like the, the odds-on favorite to win it at this point. So, where where do we go from here? Because you know, as as somebody asked <laughs> for the Twitter questions this week, is it is it fair to feel that there's nothing more to look forward to for the rest of the season? It's like a top four finish isn't really gonna you know, jazz up a lot of people, but it feels like that's, that needs to be the focus. I mean, emotionally, no, there's, there's little to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just from a purely emotional standpoint, of course I do uh, hope we win a Coppa Italia final. Frankly, I don't remember a time when there was this much of a, of an onus really on a Copa, on winning a Coppa Italia. I mean, I don't, no, I don't, I don't, I can't really think of any, any time. And maybe like the first one with like, uh, with Allegri and stuff, you know, way back then, or with Conte all the way back then. But yeah, it's quite taking on quite an importance. And it's, it's a one-off game, you know, it's a, it's a one-shot game. And I mean, anything can happen in one-shot games. Um, you know, it's, that's, and especially with all the amount of time to, to build up for that, I think it would be, players would see that as kind of one last hurrah for the season, which it's likely going to be. Uh, plus, I think I looked at the schedule briefly the other day, and I saw that the Juventus Inter game is even like I think it's like the penultimate game of the season or the third to last. So by that time, they'll probably already have won it. So, so because I was thinking, okay, if you know we beat Inter, then there'll be what four points, and then you know I don't know slip up or two here and there. But I mean, by the time the Inter game comes along, it, it's likely going to be too late. But anyway. That said, I mean, it's nice to have like zero injuries as Inter have had. I mean, basically zero injuries, but I digress. Yeah, so where to now from here? Uh, I think I'll say, I'll say two things. One is like assessing the needs of the team, uh, the player needs of the team. Uh, and two would be identifying the, the, I've used this phrase multiple times, but just the spine of the team that you want to build around. So I'll take the second one first. On the spine of the team, I think, I, I mean, I would say, and I mean, you know, if you just feel free to, you know, challenge me on it or uh, disagree, but I would say the spine of the team, um, from what I've seen this season, especially in the, in the last month or two, would be, uh, so I guess from starting from the front, would be like uh, Morata, Chiesa, Artur, and De Ligt, I would say, would be like really the spine you want to build around. Yeah, from forward to midfield to, to back line. And of course, uh, Ch- uh, Chesney. Chesney. I never actually say his name. Chesney. Chesney. That's funny. They always type it, but I never actually say it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I would say that that's that kind of spine you want to build around. And then, okay, based on that, you know, what are the players needed to kind of solidify that spine? You know, what what are the players needed that would to build around those, you know, players I mentioned, like Morata, Chiesa, Artur, and De Ligt, what are the players that would bring out the best in that kind of spine? And, I mean, I'm not really sure yet, but I think that that's basically what I'm looking for 
or what I'm looking towards now, like, okay, who would I, you know, want to kind of, you know, strengthen that, that collective. And yeah. And, and again, I mean, in terms of just immediate needs, just regardless of that, the whole issue of the spine of the team, the immediate needs are basically, as Sam already said, you know, fullback definitely. And um, a backup to Murata. And I would say a backup to Artur because uh, we've basically seen that he's the only player of his skill set in the central midfield. Um, so, you know, once you, once he's injured, tired, uh, suspended, whatever, then you lose an entire skill set in central midfield. So, yeah, I'll say that technically, I guess Fagioli should be that player, but I don't know. Uh, clearly, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I know what's going on with that. You know, which which also begs the question, do you want to like blood like Dragosin and Fagioli for the rest of the season? I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of, I'm thinking out loud there. But but yeah, those two things are what I would look at, you know, building around the spine of the team and then seeing, okay, who are the players that would solidify that and you know hope hope to then build on that for next season because that's that's the thing you want to you want to actually learn something from this season you want to actually take something tangible and like okay we learned this this is what we can build on now let's move this into next year otherwise it's just another wasted season or it's another one of those oh, i hate the term but transition years i just despise the term so much <laughs> i was despised as much as interim manager <laughs> oh no he's the manager no he's just an interim manager but yeah so you know let's not make this a waste of the year that's the most to me absolutely the most important thing because if you make this a waste of the year you're going to experience what Milan and Inter experienced for years and years and years, which is this constant recycling of transition years, transition years. And, you know, and that's, uh, that's a death trap. I think that would really, really be bad. I covered AC Milan for Bleacher Report during the, really the nadir of that. And it wasn't pretty, you know, when they just, they, when they went through Clarence Seedorf and then Pipo Inzaghi and then Sinisa Mihailovic you know, and just cycle and, and, you know, sacking a coach every single year, you know, and then there was the whole Yang Hong Lee thing, which added an entire other dimension to it that fortunately I don't think Juventus will have to deal with. But I think that when it comes to this season, I mean, one thing that you said, Chucks, is that Inter cannot keep getting this lucky with injuries. They just got one with Arturo Vidal. He's out for the next month. And the way Inter are set up, one or two big injuries in that team could suddenly put things into play, especially if they were to somehow lose Lukaku for an extended period of time because he is so important to that attack. We saw that in the first leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals, just how important Romelu Lukaku is to that team. I am looking at it as it's not out of the realm of possibility to catch Inter, but it certainly is a Hail Mary. You know, if they haven't wrapped it up by that second to the last game of the season when we play them, then we'll talk. But all you can keep doing is put pressure on them and on Milan and try to climb up and climb up, you know, as many as as far as you can and hope that uh, that something happens with Inter that, you know, that sees them drop a point or two. But but really, the 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 main focus has to be staying in the top four. And that is why that is why when you actually look at the standings, which is something that I realized uh, just yesterday, looking at them is uh, another reason why the Napoli game is so important because Napoli is in fifth place right now. Juve are in third, Napoli are in fifth, but Napoli are five points back of Juve. So 
winning that game at the uh, at the Allianz, is, or at the very least, a draw to keep things at the status quo, is a really big game in terms of making sure there is distance at the at that at that fourth spot from the fifth spot because they need to, and they need to make champions league to kind of save face for for their own season. Really? Yeah. And if Juventus don't make the champions league next year and miss out on any champions league money next year, that's when you have an utter catastrophe. That's when all of a sudden the necessity the the necessary sales of guys you don't want to sell like say Matthijs Delict have to start coming into play. Uh, you know, I'm already kind of worried about Mino Raiola trying to take advantage of our financial weakness and move Delict on for a, a nice hefty payday for himself anyway, because you know he's that much of a shark. Fortunately, it doesn't look like Delict wants to go anywhere, and that's a good... And, and at the end of the day, the agent does work for the player, so that's a good... But looking forward for, you know, for, like I said, for the end of the season, you just have to, have to, have to finish in those top four spots. And looking beyond the season, like I said, you know, you have to, if it was me, find whoever is going to take Ronaldo for the money that you need to, for the fee that you need, and then plow that money into Manuel Locatelli, maybe Hussein Awar too just really give that midfield a complete makeover with, with those two guys, you know, a younger striker to go, you know, to give Morata a proper break sometimes just take those areas of flaw, find good players who will also fit Pirlo's system. Or if you're gonna, if they're, if they do move on from Pirlo, which I think is the, would be the wrong move whoever they do pick and you know make the imp- make the improvements that regard one way or the other make as many improvements as you can make and and like you said Chucks I would really like to see guys like Fajoli and Dragusin get some real get some real playing time especially Dragusin because it's you know all all indications are Giorgio Chiellini is is going to end his career at the end of this season, which really actually is a damn shame because he deserves one of those laps around the Allianz more more than almost anybody. And I hope that when there are fans allowed back in, they they bring him in and let him do it. Because you know, just sign him to a one game contract, throw him out there for an at for an hour and then just bring him and then pulled up the board and and let him what let him do it hell he's such um, a weirdo he might show up in a full kit regardless <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just you know you, you have to you have to address the the needs of the team you have to identify what those are you have to identify whether or not you have internal options that can cover them. Hence why I think giving Fajoli some real playing time in the league, you know, yes, you run the risk of not letting him play in the, in the under 23 side next year, but I think he has shown enough potential to make that sacrifice to see what he can be in the first team 
and whether he's a guy that you can then loan out to, you know, maybe a Serie B team, a la, you know, give him the Claudio Marchisio loan or keep him in the first team if he if he shows it. And that could drastically alter the transfer strategy. But yeah, just just find out, find as much as you can to make this team better because it's just not particularly great anymore, you know? And also the other thing I would say is keep looking for the McKenney deals. Keep looking for those lower profile, low risk, high reward type deals that, you know, the, the kind of deal that gave us the Vidal's and Pogba's and Pirlo's that started this whole uh, cycle. Yeah, those deals because made that's where great, you man. those deals yeah made because great. that's where you because because that's where you can find the next ones. I mean, you can talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Sergio Ramos and Gareth Bale and Karim Benzema all you want. Who was one of the most important players in that those Real Madrid sides that won three championships in a row that they probably wouldn't have won without him? It's Casemiro. Find a guy like him. Find find a deal like that. That fits and makes the team run all right we're going to wrap things up on a couple quick twitter questions here from at i'm going to butcher this this handle so no by <laughs> what positive what positives can we take from this season i'll take that one first uh, <laughs> yeah i think positives definitely chiesa uh federico chiesa i mean you know hands down mckinney as well despite his kind of you know tailing off with i guess injury i think and just the fact that, I mean, given just a huge transition there was at the start of the season from, you know, yeah, from Sari to just a completely new coach, you know, someone had never done it before. Uh, the fact that there is some kind of idea of how we want to play, some kind of identity and, you know, a lot of tactical flexibility, you know, really, really positive. And, you know, hell. Danilo, man, I mean, MVP, bro. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, not MVP, but I mean, just a remarkable, remarkable uh, re- renaissance of uh, Danilo. So, yeah, I'd say those are some positives to take to take forward. Maybe MVP, Danilo. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a shout. He's got a so, shout. Um, so, Ch- so, Chucks, when we were sitting here doing our preseason pod in September, were you expecting in March to see Danilo lining up as a midfielder? Oh God, no, no, no! But um, I do know that uh, Brazilian Brazilian fullbacks do have a, a tendency to just be, yeah, unique positionally. I mean, just yeah, just yeah, they'll, I, they'll I think play I anyone. think, I think Danny Alves kind of thought he was a center midfielder. Yeah. Didn't he, oh yeah, he thought he was everything but a defender. That guy um, thought he was a disco dancer on the pitch, man. Damn. Gosh. But yeah, I there, there's not much more to add, there's not much more to for me to add to that. I think you know Chiesa, huge positive, McKenny when healthy, huge positive, and I I also think Alvaro Morata, positive, good good you know not not fancy but good building block, good you know workmanlike player, the kind of player you need in order to to go places, and like you said, Chuck's Pirlo. Look at Pirlo finding his feet and doing relatively well with what he had available to him and with the curveballs of this crazy season and how many injuries he's had. Looking looking competent, looking like he knows where he wants to go, and hopefully the team can give him the, the guys to get him there. All right. From uh, 
friend of the blog, David McFarland from the uh, sister site Serpents of Mandonina, who they're inter, so I guess we can tolerate them. How did um, we get? How did we get this friendly with the new with the interplot? I don't know. He sun, su suddenly <laughs> suddenly we're getting Twitter questions from inter people. So, would winning the league this season make up for the Champions League disaster, or would the Ronaldo experiment still be seen as a failure? And mind you, that is somebody who's asking a question about Juventus winning the title, which would mean Inter would absolutely bottle it. Would, would, yeah, Inter would have had an absolutely monumental collapse if that was the case. So that's a, that's a menschy question. I, I, I applaud him. But um, would it make up for it? Probably not, because, you know, we, we all know that the Champions League has really been a big focus starting after about five, <laughs> but it would, it would certainly be, you know, ointment on the burn. It would, it would help. And it would certainly go down in Juventus lore as one of the craziest comebacks that's ever been seen. But it, would it change the fact that the Ronaldo experiment is a failure? I don't think so, because I think the the underlying problems of the fight of off the field with Ronaldo would still be, would still be there and would still need to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, for pure entertainment value, it would, uh, it would definitely make up for it. I mean, just pure entertainment. I, I, I kind of wish Sergio was around to answer this question, just to, <laughs> since he is the master of inner shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He'll throw out a burn here and there. <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously, for the sake of sporting achievements and, and actual objectives of the club, uh, it, it would not. <laughs> it would not. It would be obviously impressive just in terms of comeback value. But uh, I mean, no, for sporting, for sake of sporting achievements, uh, this, this, you know, Porto tie was such an embarrassment. Plus just the fact that it's, you know, the third time and just the chronic issues it shows that are wrong with the team and club. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it would make up for that, but it's a good, really good question though. All right. Well, we will wrap things up there. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. As always, you can send us to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. If you want to subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, search Black and White and Red All Over. Same for uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you are a listener to us on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to rate and leave us a review. We got a few nice words to us this past week. She said, we are a very good English language Juventus podcast. So thank you. I'm blanking on the person who wrote it, but thank you very much for that. So yeah, we should have our uh, resident inter shenanigan follower, Sergio Romero back next week. So with that being said, for Sam and for Chucks, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>